Well, good morning. How are you guys? Anybody warm? It is so warm in here. It's so nice. Well, it is, it is good to see you guys again. Uh, well, you know, what I always like to do is to kind of give you a, just a little like statistical recap on how many of my family members I actually brought with me today. It's actually pretty low today. My wife is uh, working uh, uh, and another child is helping. And then, but there is, there is, there is a, there's a benefit or there's good news. There's a big uptick in the statistics. You guys have like a major, uh, major fan in Alabama, probably the most downloaded streams uh, from Alabama. That person who does that is, is here. Now, there's probably only one in all of the entire state of Alabama that downloads the stream. And it only happens to be when I preach. So um, my mom is here. So Jackie Strovis, wave your hand. Hello. So yeah, so you, you have uh, Cedar homies all over the country, even, even in Alabama. So it is, it's de delightful to have her. She, she's been hanging out for a month, so uh, she's a little cold. Alabama is a bit warmer than normal. All right, well, it is, it is good to be here. Um, I am uh, sorry to have missed Pastor Ben and the crew that, is, uh, that are out there with the youth group. And uh, it sounds like um, they're having a good time. At least they made it, right? So, um, so I, uh, I've actually um, heard a lot about what happens at Camus Meadows. That's where they're at. And so I hope that they are concussion-free and that everything is, is going well. So uh, let, me, uh, let me just, let's, can we pause and pray for them? And so let's just do that. Lord, we just are grateful. We come into your presence and we just, uh, just praise your name this morning. We are grateful that we can magnify who you are and recognize that you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that you are, you are King, whether it's cold here or at Camas Meadows. And, and we just would pray that you would be with the youth group there and with Pastor Ben as he's uh, sharing the good news and all of those uh, leaders that are there. I pray for the hearts and minds of these students that you would capture them, uh, that you would captivate their hearts, that, that uh, there would be decisions to follow you, uh, to make uh, choices for baptism and choices for just uh, being uh, your disciple moving forward. I pray that uh, this would be a generation of world changers, that these would be uh, young men and women that would choose to follow you uh, with their whole hearts uh, their entire life. In Jesus' name, and we pray. Amen. All right, so I have the privilege of, of coming alongside uh, your uh, series this morning, Little Church, Big Christ. Um, I'm excited to dive into the book of Colossians. And so uh, how many of you guys have gone through the booklet, that, uh, or the, the publication that was passed out? A few of you? Excellent. Most of you? All of you? Fantastic. Um, I, I would imagine that's still available, and, and I guess it just takes about 12 or 13 days to get through. So uh, please do that. That would be a fantastic way. Uh, Pastor Ben was willing to share that with me, so um, make sure that you are, take advantage of that as well. Um, there are, um, there's different seasons in life, right? So, uh, you know, this is, a, this is an apple. You know, um, apples come around. When, when do apples come around? Let me just ask you this. When? The fall? Is that when apples come around? I don't know. <laughs> I would say, like, I would have to Google it. I would have to ask Siri, hey, Siri, you know, uh, when do apples come around? But I'll take your word for it. So it comes in the fall. This is a cosmic crisp apple. Have, have you ever had a cosmic crisp apple? Like, there are apples that are being, like, you know, uh, modified and genetically, I don't know, they're going to start walking around and, and coming to our table courtesy. But there's, but there's different seasons, right? There are seasons where apples will come into uh, fruit, and then there's other seasons where 
there's no fruit being produced. Um, of course, apple makers are trying to change that. But there's different seasons of the earth. You know, sometimes there are seasons that are on the colder side. We have winter, uh, we have spring, fall, and summer. The Lord has been gracious enough to, to give us a sense of like the calendar, to give us a sense of seasons. Um, obviously, right now we're in a season of winter. Uh, but there are seasons of the church calendar as well, where, where, the, where we just kind of came out of an Advent series and, and we're kind of moving into a, a season pushing forward towards Lent and then Easter. And, and the church calendar has seasons. Um, our own life has seasons, right? Um, um, I'm, in, you know, I'm supposed to like get a gold medallion and buy a convertible and, and uh, have some sort of major crisis in my life right now, I think, is the season that I'm supposed to be in. Uh, if, if that's you, I apologize, not trying to offend. Uh, convertibles are cool. I saw one this morning with the top down, and I'm like, that's crazy. Uh, my mom is, on, you know, in a different season of life, you know. She's, she's uh, rocking the white hair. You know, uh, she looks lovely and beautiful, but she's in a different season than I am. Um, you know, I've seen some people with young babies. They're not sleeping at all. They're in a different season, right? So um, we, <clears throat> there are different seasons of life. There are seasons where we go through and things are just clicking. Everything's happening. Life seems to be happening. Everything's joyful. It's just... It just you know, you're winning the lottery every time you turn around. Um, you know, everything's just coming up roses. And then there are seasons where it's on the other side, right? Where things are hard and things are difficult. And uh, there are seasons of pain and seasons of sorrow. And for the most part, it seems like those seasons are coming at us, you know, on the regular. Like, you know, one day it's over here and one day it's over here. And uh, it, it is interesting as we go through life, the different seasons that we have. And I think, again, I'd say that the Lord has been gracious to us to kind of give us a sense of the calendar of, of these, you know, times of growth in the fall and spring and, and times of where things are kind of being put to bed during winter and then, and then are coming alive in spring and summer. And we have these, these seasonal things that are happening. Um, and, and we get, you know, different fruits throughout the year based on kind of what is growing throughout there. Um, we are, we're going to jump into the book of Colossians this morning, so you can feel free to turn there. Um, but we are going to be talking a little bit about fruit and um, about seasons and things of that nature that we find here. But basically, you know, I want to, you know, just continue to echo what Pastor Ben was saying last week. As we look at the book of Colossians, we find ourselves in the beginning of this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. And the, the central book, uh, the central theme of the book of Colossians is a sense of a high Christology, that Jesus is the preeminent, that he is supreme, that there is a, um, a supremacy over all things that we see in Christ. And Paul the Apostle is doing a fantastic job of highlighting who Jesus is uh, through the book of Colossians in this letter that he's writing. It is a letter. It is a letter to a little church, and it is about a big Christ. It is about Jesus being supreme and preeminent over all things. And, and as we jump into it, we're just getting into just a taste of it with verses three through eight this morning. Uh, but let us read that together. I'll, I'll go ahead and read, uh, but follow along with me. Uh, Colossians chapter one, verses three through eight. We always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, 
which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word. May we have just an ability to hear it afresh and anew. Holy Spirit, would you move this morning? It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's, uh, let's take a look at that and just, um, you know, just a few verses for us to spend some time in this morning. Um, it, obviously, this is the beginning of a letter. I mean, the first two verses, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, kind of announcing who he is. Uh, and, he, and he's saying, hey, Timothy is with us. And he's, he's writing this letter to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Just a reminder, Pastor Ben talked through all of that. There's a little greeting, grace and peace from God. And then Paul jumps into it and, and he starts with, we always thank God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. And I love this. So Paul starts out with gratitude. So here's a letter. I don't know how many letters you write. Anybody still write letters or is it just an email? Raise your hand if you wrote a letter in the last like six months. It says, yeah, a few of you. Okay. I tell you, people love receiving letters. Uh, letters are fantastic. But Paul starts this letter. He starts this letter and he, and he starts it off with gratitude. Um, you know, there's, there's something significant about starting a letter from a place of being thankful for something. Uh, I think it, rec- it, just, it just sort of recognizes that there's a heart that is, a heart that is grateful is a heart that has things in right order. A recognition that the Lord is in control and that he is sovereign over all things. And so as he thinks of the people in Colossae, as he's thinking of this church, this little church, in, uh, you know, t- as he's writing to the Colossians, there is this sense of gratitude that we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. I love that. I like, you know, so Paul's coming from this heart of gratitude. It's a great reminder for us. Uh, secondly, Paul is dedicated to praying for a group of people that, as far as I know, he hasn't met before. And so there's this group, this little church in, in, in Colossae that he's praying for. You know, we just saw a video of, of, of a little church in Panama. What an opportunity to pray for a group of people that we've never met before. Um, you know, just a reminder, you know, we have the opportunity to pray for others. And I think as we, as we are a group of believers, a community of believers right here in Stanwood, as we are a group in a community of believers, we just have the opportunity to grow in our maturity to be praying for other people. Uh, one of the things that I love to do uh, is, is pray with my daughter in, at night as we're kind of tucking her in. She loves to pray for people around the world. And we got this handy dandy calendar and it, and it kind of like has been allowing us to pray for, you know, or, or in, encouraging us or instructing us and giving us prayer prompts to pray for people around the world. And it's been really helpful. And it's really fun to like think outside of, of our little bedroom and outside of our family. Because, you know, if you're like me, you like to pray for the people that you care about most. And so you pray for, you know, the people in your inner core. But I think there's something mature and there's something about uh, being a part of something greater than yourself. If you are praying to a God, a big Christ who is greater than your little family, if you are realizing that you are a part of what Jesus is doing, as opposed to bringing Jesus into what you are doing, that changes the mentality deeply, completely and significantly, and it should change your prayer life. And so here we have, like, we see, pray, we see Paul praying for this group of Christians in Colossae. I think that's significant. 
Moving on to verse uh, four and five. It says, since we have heard your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. So Paul has heard of the, the faith, the love, and the hope of the Colossian church from Epaphras. You know, they've received the gospel, they've placed their faith in Christ, and this is having a significant impact on their life. And so one of the words that, uh, that pops off that, that off, out of that verse for me is this idea of hope. And so I want to take a, just a couple minutes to talk about hope. Um, this is not a hope that's like, I wish something were good were to happen. This is not a hope, I hope that the Huskies win, or I hope that the Seahawks win, or I hope that the Ravens win. I, I guess there's a Ravens fan around here. So I, I hope... I hope that I win the lottery. I, I hope that the day goes well for me. I, I hope I get a good night's sleep. I, you know, these are things that we wish for. That we wish that good things would happen to us, right? You know, like, I, I hope that I can get a promotion. I hope that I can have a good thing happen to me today. I hope that I, uh, you know, when I order the fish, that the fish is going to be good and not make me sick. Like, you know, we, we hope that when we go and order gas station sushi, that it's going to go better for us than that sounds, right? So, you know, we hope for good things and we want those things to happen. But this is not that kind of hope. This is not a wish for good things kind of hope. This is a different hope. This is a hope that is grounded in truth, grounded in reality. It's not just a desire, it's a known fact. One day, the kingdom of God will be here, and the dwelling place of God will once again be with humankind. That's a fact. It is not a hope. Boy, I really hope that this happens. I wish it happens. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really hoping that it comes up roses. No, no, this is a fact. We know, and so uh, this kind of hope is like, I have a belief, in something that is unseen, and I'm placing my belief in that, and it's more than just a wish for, it is a solid known fact that's going to happen. Jesus will return. The kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus will return. Jesus will once again dwell with his people. Amen? Like, that's a fact. And so when we say we have hope in Christ, it's not just a, boy, I hope it works out kind of hope. It's a, I know it's going to happen. It is a known fact. And so this is, this is the kind of hope that we're talking about here. Um, you know, because of the hope that we have laid up for us in heaven, we know that is coming. That is a fact. And we can place our trust in it. We can place our faith in it. And it's not about how the board shows up in Vegas or how the cards come up or how the lottery comes up or, or, or how, the, how I get out of this side of the bed or that side of the bed. This is a guaranteed, we know fact it is going to happen. Jesus is coming again. Amen? The kingdom will come. Verse 6, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit. And so we're, we're talking about the gospel. The gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. And so now Paul is talking about the gospel. He's talking about the fact that it is, that it is in, like bearing fruit in the whole world, right? It is increasing as it has since the day that they heard it and understood it, and it continues to increase as it goes around the globe. The gospel, the good news, is transforming this community at its initial hearing, and it is continually transforming this community, right? So they heard the gospel, 
They heard that, that Jesus was indeed Christ, that he is Messiah, that he is the one that was prophesied to come. And they put their faith and trust in that and their lives were forever changed. They had a hope that was not just, I, I really hope it works out, but it was a hope grounded in truth. And their lives were changed. And now the gospel continues to increase around the globe and continue to increase in their community. Because Jesus is preeminent. He is supreme over all things. And as that takes root and takes hold in this community, their lives are continually changed. Not just once, but continually. This gospel continues to change this community. It is increasing all over the world and in the hearts of believers. So verses 7 and 8, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. And here we get introduced to Epaphras. He's this servant or minister, uh, somebody who's in leadership, somebody who is ministering, is not, uh, you know, coming from an all high mighty kind of position up on top of the podium, but that word is all about one who serves. It is somebody who is serving the community. Uh, leadership needs to be seen from a servant perspective. Jesus models this as he was uh, doing his thing on earth, right? As he's washing his disciples' feet, as he's, he's, he's uh, meeting and talking with those that, that, uh, uh, that the community would say he shouldn't be hanging out with. He is, he is modeling what it looks like to serve others. And that beautiful picture of, of Peter saying, you know, you're not worthy, you know, like don't wash me. And Jesus is like, no, you know, let me wash your feet. And he's like, well, in that case, wash all of me. You know, like, I want all of it, you know. And, and so um, we got to love Peter for that, right? So, but Jesus models for us what it looks like to serve. And Epaphras is being called this, this servant, this minister of Christ on the behalf of the, the church in Colossae. All right, and so that's just kind of the breakdown of the verses. That's, that's, that's a little bit of what we're going to look at. We don't want to go too deep into it, but I, I do have a few, few observations, a few observations to kind of make as we, as we go through this. And the first is, you know, just this attitude of gratitude, right? This, this, t this tone uh, that, that Paul just has from the very beginning of just this, this perspective of being grateful for things. And it's something that we see consistently with Paul and is something that needs to be consistent with us as believers, right? We have the opportunity to practice uh, being thankful for things. Um, some of us, you know, like, I don't know, during Christmas time, it's, it's, it's kind of an easier time to, to look, look back at the year and to be able to kind of reflect on the year of 2023 as, as things are kind of coming to a close. Um, and then we have this great celebration that's fun with family and, and friends and with the church and the advent of waiting for Christ to come and then celebrating Christmas together. It's kind of a natural time to look back and to, and to be grateful, and, you know, um, and then, and then, of course, we have this, this year, right? New Year's comes, and then, we, and then we're looking at 2024, and we're looking at all the things that are coming ahead, and we're a couple weeks into the year, and we can look ahead, and we can really be grateful already for the things that are to come, because God has great plans for this church. God has great plans for Stanwood. God has great plans for your life and your family and the, and the extended family that you have and your friends and your coworkers. God has great plans for all of those people and those communities, and we can be grateful in advance for what is to come. And when we have a heart that, that is, is, in, is coming to the Lord in a place of gratitude, it's a different posture. 
there's a recognition about who is in charge. There's a recognition and an actual declaration that this, this is coming about because of who Christ is. This is coming about because God is at work. This is coming about because he is sovereign. These things are coming about because of who Jesus is. It's a different posture. Uh, it, it's, an, it's an opportunity to come at it from a, a different perspective. Um, it, it kind of puts ourselves into that little church mode and then putting Jesus where he needs to be in that big Christ position, right? That's a, that's a great way to kind of check you know, how are we doing? You know, where am I at in my relationship with Jesus? Do I, do I, am I grateful? Am I thankful? Am I, am I waking up? Am I remembering the things in prayer with the Lord and with my journal and, and all the different ways that you might track your, your ability to be thankful? Um, you know, like how big is Christ in the midst of that? All right, this, the second observation I have is just, just, spending a little bit of time with the good news of the gospel. And so uh, Paul is saying that the gospel has made an impact in this community. And so I think it's really important for us to understand what the gospel is all about. And the gospel is good news. The gospel is the good news, right? The good news is fantastic. But in order to really understand the good news, you have to understand that there's bad news. Right? I mean, the good news is good because there's bad news, right? And, and so in order to stand, understand the gospel, in order to understand the good news, we have to kind of understand the bad news, right? And the, what, the bad news is that we've all fallen short of the glory of God and that we're all sinners in need of a sinner, a savior. The wages of sin is death and that we've been separated from God. I mean, it, it starts back in the garden, right? We have this perfect, this humankind, perfect relationship with God, whereas God is walking around, and Adam and Eve, you know, they are, uh, you know, they're doing whatever they're doing in the garden, naming animals and hanging out and, and seeing all, all kinds of things in the garden. And then, and then, you know, they hear Jesus walking in the cool breeze, right? And there's this, there's this beautiful representation that we find in Genesis uh, about how the garden was this place of perfect relationship between humankind and, and God. And that God was dwelling with humankind, that God was dwelling with his people. And then, of course, sin enters the world. Humanity chooses to do their own thing apart from God, to take matters into their own hands, to live an independent life apart from God, and to not trust their creator and Lord. And what happens? Well, what happens is a separation, a separation from Eden, a break from relationship with God, and, and now there's separation, and there's not this perfect unity, this perfect relationship between God and mankind. And all of a sudden, the people of God are, are, are separated from God. And they're, you know, then we can go through all of the Old Testament. We can get into the, um, and we can see all of the things that they do in order to kind of make themselves righteous before God. And there's sacrifices to be made and all, all kinds of things. But the recognition is that mankind has bad news. That we are separated from God and that the wages of our sin is death. Eternal separation from God. But what Paul is saying is that the gospel, the good news, has showed up in, in this town of Colossae, and that is great news, because the good news is Jesus Christ is indeed Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one that people have been waiting for. He is the one that has been prophesied about. He is the one that has come to restore all things and make them new again. He is the one who is bringing his kingdom. He is the one and the only one who can save. 
He is the propitiation for our sin. He is the one that makes us righteous. He is the only one that can make us holy before God. He is the one that takes our separation from him, that takes our wrecked nature and and makes it new and restores it and makes it holy. And we can now have a right relationship with God. Should we place our faith in Christ? Should we place our faith in Jesus? We now can be made new and made alive in him and have this relationship in Christ, where we are seen as holy in Christ. And it's beautiful. It's not like we start living a sinless life, but, it's, but it, it is that Jesus makes a way for us and that he, he makes us righteous as we confess our sins and he forgives us and he, his death on the cross is what puts us into right relationship with him. And, you know, fast forwarding it eventually, you know, Revelation 21 would say that there will be a new heaven and a new earth and the kingdom will indeed come. And one day again, God will dwell with his people. And that's going to be a beautiful thing. And again, we place our hope in that. And it's not just, I really hope it happens, but it's a hope that says, I know it's going to happen. I place my hope and my trust and my faith in that because I know it to happen. It will happen for a fact. So the good news is good news because we have bad news, but the good news, the gospel is this good news that makes us allow, allows us to have this right relationship with God where we are no longer separate. And so this gospel begins to start to bear fruit. I'm no garden. I'm no gardener. I'm not a gardener either. I'm no gardener. Um, I don't know much about growing fruit. There's a bunch of uh, raspberry uh, bushes, trees, what are they? Things in our, in our garden. What are they called? Bushes? Bushes, yes, raspberry bushes. And there's thorns on them and you gotta work hard to get the raspberries, but they come and they're plentiful and it's really nice and it's lovely. Some of them are golden, some of them are red. It's, it's great. Uh, we have a couple apple trees that don't, uh, are not as good, um, but they, do, they did not produce this one. Um, we had to purchase this. Uh, but you know, apples, apples are, are interesting, right? So, um, so what's going on inside this apple? Yes, Ken? I think I locked my knife. There we go. All right. I I was telling my kids, I really hope I don't cut myself this morning. So what do we know that's happening in this apple? I need some audience participation, please. Hopefully there's no worms in there. There's seeds in there, somebody said. Did you check my notes? Fantastic. I'm trying not to cut myself, Ken. Not to be trusted. All right. Inside there, there's like the flesh. of the, This looks like a good apple. That is a good apple. There's these little seeds in here, though. Can you see this little seed? Everybody gather around. Look really close. There's a tiny little seed. So, you know, this, this seed, this apple, starts off as a seed. It gets planted in the ground. There's this thing called germination. Everybody say germination. 
And then, and then what kind of, like, all of a sudden, like, these little green shoots come out of this. Like, tiny little green things, like, shoot out of the seed. You know, it gets enough sun and water, and, like, whatever you learn in science happens. You know, it's all the magic of all, all, that, uh, all that rain and sun and, uh, and, and the soil, right? The nutrients, it, it feeds the seed. And next thing you know, you get these little green shooters that come out. You get a root system. You get a stem. And then, then what grows off the stem? Not yet. No, Ken, you're jumping, you're jumping it a little bit. What grows off that little stem? Leaves. Yes, yes. Leaves. Thank you. This is science. Uh, and, then, and then the leaves grow. And then what grows off the leaves? Buds or flowers, right? So then all of a sudden, all of a sudden the leaves have flowers. And then what happens out of the flower? You, 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 I don't know how an apple comes out of a flower. It's amazing. I don't really, frankly, I don't understand it. And, and luckily, I don't have to understand it because I usually just go to the grocery store. But, but all of that comes from a little tiny seed. You know, a, a little bit of sun, a little bit of moisture. Next thing you know, presto, you get an apple. And there's a process that's happening. And, uh, you, know, the, um, you know, one of the things that we would see is that there is fruit coming from the gospel and at some point, Epaphras planted the seed of the gospel, and all of a sudden, there was some germination that took place. There was some, some root system that was being sent down. There was, a, there was a stem that shot up. There was some leaves that came out of that. There was some flowering that happened, and all of a sudden, you went from this tiny little seed, and then you get this cosmic crisp apple that tastes so great on a Sunday morning, right? And, and the gospel was planted. It was planted in the hearts of this, of this community in Colossae, and that that the seed of truth, the gospel, the good news that Jesus has made a way for us to be right with God again, that took root in the hearts of these people. And they started ruminating on that. And there was roots that got put down with, like, with faith and recognizing that Jesus is Messiah. This is the Jesus that we've been praying for. This is the, this is the kingdom that's going to come. We're so excited. We want to learn more about that. And then our lives, as we hear the gospel, begins to change. And we begin to, to remove our faith and our hope in the crops or the job or the spouse or the family or winning the lottery or finding it in the bottom of a bottle or whatever it is that you are kind of putting your hope in. We begin to change from, from that bucket into we're going to put our faith and our hope in Christ and our lives are forever changed. And then they're changed again because we have a greater understanding of who Jesus is. And then we wake up the next day and there's more fruit. There's more fruit that's happening. There's flowers and there's stems and germination. It just continues to grow. And as the Holy Spirit dwells in our life, we learn more about who Christ is. And Christ grows from being something that we just tucked into our life to being the preeminent supreme Christ reigning over my life. Because he came to rescue us from our sins and he came to rule our hearts. And as we give Christ his place as the rightful ruler in our life, all of our priorities are beginning to change. And so when it says that the gospel began to take root and and to, to produce fruit in the church of Colossae, what I'm hearing is that their lives were beginning to change and changing dramatically, transformed, and then changing continually, that this transformation process, this process of producing fruit over and over, I shouldn't eat in front of you, that's really bad. I apologize, it's so rude. 
My apologies to everybody on the streaming. We should also put the knife away. All right. But what is, the fruit, what is the fruit of the gospel? What we see the Apostle Paul saying is that he, he has the triad that we see throughout Scripture. Faith, hope, and love. Like these are things that come out of the gospel. As it's fruiting in, in the life of the Colossian church, we're going to see faith established. We're going to see hope established. We're going to see love established. And then if you want to look at the rest of the New Testament, you're, you're going to look at, of course, the fruits of the Spirit, where you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are things that are going to start growing in us. This is the fruit that starts to come as a result of the gospel being on the move in a community's life. A community is going to begin to reflect this fruit. It's going to happen. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then as, as we get into it deeper, the fruit of following Jesus is humility. Being a servant, being a witness, a heart that reflects the heart of God. Walking out the calling on our life. Living a life of trust, living a life of obedience. And so as we, you know, as we consider this passage, I would just ask the question, is the gospel increasing in your life? I pray and I hope that each one of you here has had that little seed of the gospel planted in your life. You know, but I've been around a few times, you know, and I think, you know, there's a reality that, you know, some of you here probably have not accepted this little seed of the gospel in your life yet. You know, and if today is the day that, that Jesus is calling you, I would say, say yes to him. You know, find somebody that you're sitting next to and just say, hey, how do I, how do I accept that seed of truth? How do I take advantage of that good news? Because I want to I be a part of what Jesus is doing in the world. How can I trust? How, can I, how do I place my trust in him? The people around you would love to talk you through that. Uh, please do so. The rest of you, you know, at some point you did. You heard that seed. Maybe it was at a Chemist Meadows, you know, 20 years ago. Maybe, maybe it was at a different youth event. Maybe it was a, at a Bible camp. Maybe it was in Bible college. Maybe you met somebody and they were, there goes the seed. Maybe you, maybe you met somebody and they, they loved Jesus and went to church. And you're like, well, hey, if I'm going to date somebody that loves Jesus and goes to church, I probably should too. Um, that might be kind of close to my story a little bit. Um, that one hits a little closer to home. But the, you know, the... The beauty is that, you know, um, whenever we have, you know, we've received that seed, it is growing and producing fruit in our life. And, and if, you, if, if you have come to a place where that, like, growth germination process, however science you want to say, like, if that's kind of growing a little stagnant for you, my encouragement would be to dive into that and just say, Jesus, would you continue to produce fruit in my life? Because the gospel wants to continue to increase in the community in your family, in your kids' lives, in your own life, there is growth and, and, and uh, there is more fruit to be had. Fruits of the Spirit, fruits of humility, fruits of learning to be a witness. Um, as you make Jesus the preeminent thing in your life, this is going to be a lifelong process. Because what you're going to realize is that there are things that, that I used to think Jesus was really in charge, but the reality is I've been kind of tucking Jesus in along the ride, and instead I want to put Jesus up, Jesus up on his place. 
Um, I think it's easier to say, hey, Jesus, can you be a part of what I'm doing? Instead of saying, Jesus, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I am your servant, and I'm here to serve you and follow you wherever you would have me go. There is a different mentality there. And finally, there's this idea of, of Epaphras inviting others to come and see Jesus. I just wanted to read a quick passage out of the book of John. John 1, 43 through 51 says, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and he said to him, follow me. And Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael says to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip says to him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael says, How do you know me? And Jesus answers, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending the Son of Man. So Philip has this moment where he has this come and see moment where he invites Nathaniel to come and see Jesus. Now it'd be nice if Jesus was hanging out with us and he was like just down the block and be like, hey, come and see Jesus. Like he's over here. Like, 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 like literally come and see. But the reality is, is that that's not the case anymore, right? And in Acts 1, we find that Jesus ascends into heaven and then the apostles are sitting there waiting. And then next thing you know, the Holy Spirit shows up. Pentecost comes, there's tongues of fire there's there's all sorts of visions there's things that are happening the holy spirit shows up and 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 then the, like the early church is launched and the call to the apostles and the disciples at that time is to be my witnesses to be my witnesses in judea and samaria and the utter ends of the earth right to be my witnesses and so this is what epaphras is doing so epaphras is doing what he's been called to do which is to be a witness of what jesus has done in his life and what jesus can do in the lives of the people in Colossae. and this is our opportunity to be witnesses to the to what jesus has done and so when philip says come and see to nathaniel we have the opportunity to say come and see to our neighbors we have the opportunity to say come and see to our workmates we have the opportunity to say come and see to our grandkids and come and see to our children and come and see Look at who Jesus is. Look at what Jesus has done in my life. Come and see how he's made a difference in my life. When I used to tuck Jesus into what I was doing, what I've done differently is I've put Jesus as the big Christ, and I'm, like, I'm trying to tuck myself into his story. And come and see what that looks like. It's exciting because now I have this right relationship with Jesus. And I'm in this place where I'm doing something greater than myself. I'm a part of the greatest story of all kind. Of all time, I, I'm like, I'm a part of something that Jesus is doing. And it is, come and see. Come and see. It's exciting. Come and check it out. And so Epaphras, he's doing this. He's a minister and a servant of the gospel. He is, he is inviting people to come and see the power of the gospel. And what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that is going to change your life. And as it continues to increase in your life, you're going to get more and more fruit. I almost took another bite, but I won't. All right. Would you consider today, if there's somebody that you need to invite to come and see Jesus today, would you consider that? 
The impact of Epaphras' willingness to be obedient to Christ and to be a witness to those around him was significant. The church in Colossae was launched. You guys have the opportunity to be significant in the lives of those people that are around you today. Would you invite those that are around you to come and see, to come and see what Jesus is doing in your life, to come and see what Jesus is doing in the life of this church, to come and see what Jesus is doing in Panama, to come and see what Jesus is doing all over the world because he is making things right. He is bringing his kingdom and it is exciting and I'm excited to be a part of what he's doing. But my, I guess my, my encouragement to you coming out of this uh, little portion of Colossians is that we have the opportunity to put Jesus in his rightful space of being supreme over all things. Instead of just tucking him alongside with what we're doing, but to put him in his rightful place as the supreme king of kings, lord of lords in your life. Because that's going to produce a different kind of fruit. It's going to continue to increase the fruit in your life. Love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, humility, obedience, a life of faith. It looks different and and it should be continually increasing in our lives. Let's pray. Jesus, we recognize that you indeed are the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Lord, help us to see you as Christ, Messiah, in your rightful place, not only as rescuer, but also as ruler. Help us to submit to your authority in our life, that we would be a part of something greater than what we're doing. Help us to transition from, from having you be a part of what we're doing to that we could be a part of what you're doing. Help us to make that transition Thank you for Epaphras and his impact on the community in Colossae. May we have an impact on the community around us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, I'll have you guys all stand if you're able to, uh, to receive the benediction this morning, and then we'll go ahead and dismiss. And this is out of uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.